Supreme Court says that businesses can legally deny employees birth control coverage under a Trump administration rule. The teens have found an all-new way to make us feel ancient. And Smitten Kitchen founder and cookbook author Deb Perlman joins us to discuss the elephant in the room. How the heck are working parents supposed to manage a job and their kids at the same time? The date, July 8th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey friends, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. Casey, the world is just so oppressively mediocre out here on the East Coast today. Please just regale me with your tale for the West Coast. Is it any better out there on this Wednesday? It's not. You know that. You, I, <laughs> I talk about California all the time on here and we don't have good air quality because of fireworks. It's we're going to have a heat wave this weekend. There's a pandemic and it's the really bad here. <laughs> Uh, everything i've been told about the west coast is a lie apparently there are no chill vibes anymore chill vibes are not anywhere in this country i have a tie-dye mask i got chill vibes man (laughs) that's really funny to me because i just i just bought an all black mask because very new york uh Mm, 2020 we can still uphold our regional stereotypes in our own ways even as everything's falling apart all right it's time for today's top stories here are three headlines you need to know one the supreme court has validated the trump administration's gutting of obamacare's birth control mandate in a 7-2 decision this morning, the court sided with the administration's upending of an Obama-era rule that said employers have to provide their employees with insurance coverage for contraception or fill out a form to apply for an exemption that would enable them to get insurance somewhere else. Religious groups like the Little Sisters of the Poor, one of the plaintiffs in the cases decided today, said that filling out that form violated their freedom of conscience since they would be helping their employee to get birth control elsewhere. The five conservative justices agreed with the Trump administration's 2018 rule that granted wide-ranging moral exemptions from the birth control mandate. Justices Sotomayor and Ginsburg dissented entirely from the majority, while Justices Kagan and Breyer said that the administration does have the ability to issue the exemptions under the law, but probably applied that power haphazardly. Two, the coronavirus outbreak continues its upward trend in the United States with over 3 million reported cases total and the one-day nationwide rise hitting 60,000 cases for the first time yesterday. The Sun Belt continues to be hit hard, with the New York Times reporting that if the states counted as individual countries, Arizona would have the highest growth rate of cases in the world, followed by Florida and South Carolina. And speaking of Florida, intensive care units there are reportedly filling up fast. State officials there said yesterday that 56 of the state's 303 hospitals had reached ICU capacity. Another 35 hospitals there have 10% or fewer of their ICU beds available. And Atlanta became the latest major city to order that masks must be worn in public places. Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms issued the regulation today after she and members of her family tested positive for COVID-19 earlier this week. Meanwhile, the Centers for Disease Control has issued new guidance for schools to be able to reopen in the fall. But President Trump has already tweeted his displeasure, saying that they're overly expensive and restrictive and threatening to cut off funding for schools that don't open ahead of the election in November. And three, Harvard and MIT are suing the Trump administration over its decision to force colleges to open in the fall or have their international students deported. ICE on Monday said that students who hold visas to learn at U.S. colleges that will be online only this fall will be barred from entering the country. In their lawsuit filed today, Harvard and MIT said, quote, 
The effect, and perhaps even the goal, is to create as much chaos for universities and international students as possible. Those two schools alone welcome around 9,000 international students each year. Acting Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security Ken Cuccinelli defended ICE's decision on CNN last night, arguing that, quote, if they're not going to be a student or they're going to be 100% online, then they don't have a basis to be here. They should go home and then they can return when the school opens. But the lawsuit actually cites Cuccinelli's interview as evidence that the administration is trying to use the rule to force colleges to fully reopen by fall. Oh, woof. Okay, so all three things that you just said just really feel like the government is not here to help and protect its citizens right now. All lives are being made more difficult. I mean, it's just truly awful. Yeah, today is not a fun day in the news. I I really wish I had some better anything to tell you about any of these cases, but not really. No, I really don't. I mean, the best thing I can say is that I kind of get Kagan and Breyer's uh, decision to concur sort of with the majority on the uh, birth control decision in that, yeah, sure, the law probably says that the administration can do this, but should they have? Probably not. I get that as a Supreme Court justice, that's kind of your gig. On the other hand, wow, not a great ruling for thousands of women across the country. Yeah, definitely not. You, you know what? Also, I really was hard on you for you bringing me bad news, but Mine's not like light and positive today either. So I'm sorry. Oh, good. What do you got? So actor Tandy Newton revealed that she was nearly part of the 2000 hit Charlie's Angels until she had a racist conversation with one of the producers. Newton told Vulture that after her experience of sexual abuse, she would avoid certain projects. And during the initial stages of her work on Charlie's Angels, she quickly felt uncomfortable about how objectified she'd be. What made things even worse was a conversation she had with Amy Pascal, who was then the head of Sony Pictures, about how Newton's character might not be believable as written. According to Newton, Pascal had issues with the character being college educated and had some helpful suggestions where she was, quote, basically reeling off these stereotypes of how to be more convincing as a black character. Newton said that in one instance, Pascal suggested, quote, maybe there could be a scene where you're in a bar and she gets up on a table and starts shaking her booty. Pascal, for her part, told Vulture that she considers Newton a friend, but she has, quote, no recollection of the conversation as described. Woof. Woof. You weren't kidding about it not being better on your side today, Casey. That's a lot. Uh. I mean, that's ho- that's Hollywood for you. And that 100% checks out for today and also in the early 2000s. Like, that checks out. Yeah, for sure. And clearly... uh Newton's concerns about objectification, Charlie's Angels, kind of panned out <laughs> looking back at the final film. That was um, an objectify kind of film that uh, they wound up producing there. And another story about a woman in the entertainment industry who is speaking out about her mistreatment. Demi Lovato shared that she left the Disney Channel because of how normalized eating disorders are in the TV industry. Lovato says she struggled with an eating disorder even before she first starred in the channel's TV movie Camp Rock in 2007. But as she told Bustle in a new interview, by the time she came out of rehab in 2010 and decided to quit Disney, she was sure that the entertainment industry was too supportive of eating disorders. She said, quote, I came out of the experience with the choice of talking about my struggles or my journey with the possibility of helping people or keeping my mouth shut and going back to Disney Channel. And I was like, that doesn't feel authentic to me. So I chose to tell my story. 
She also revealed that instead of cake, her management team would give her a watermelon with sugar-free whipped cream on it for her birthday. I know. If that isn't sending a message to someone who's supposed to be like helping you in this industry, it's it's wild. I, yikes. And she was a teen. She was a kid then. That's so messed up. I, uh, I was too old for Disney Channel during like the Demi Lovato era. So I know nothing about her time period there, I feel like. Uh, but it's from the sounds of it, uh, Disney had a lot of work to do. And hopefully they're treating their like younger stars at least a little bit better at this point. Question mark. Are they? Do you have any insight on that? You know what? I do not have insight on that, but I'm sure many former and current Disney stars have been vocal about it uh, on Instagram uh, and TikTok, to be honest. When we come back, we've got Smitten Kitchen's Deb Perlman with us to talk about the challenges working parents are still facing in this pandemic. Stay right there. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my God, I want to come through the screen and hug you. Hey everybody, Jessica Zor here, also known as Vanessa Abrams on Gossip Girl. I am so excited to share my new podcast with you guys. It's called XOXO and it's a walk down memory lane all about Gossip Girl. I'll chat with some of the cast, crew, fans of the show, and I'm just so pumped for you guys to go on this journey with me. Hi, I'm Ed Westwick. I played with Chuck Bass. I just can't believe that I did that with my life. Jay, we had like the most amazing time. Listen to XOXO on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL fans, nothing compares to being there live. What a play! Now the crowd is alive. And the NFL's biggest season ever is now ready for the postseason. It's playoff time. We got to win. NFL playoff tickets are on sale now. Don't miss your chance to be a part of the postseason action on the road to Super Bowl 56. Visit NFL.com slash tickets for a complete listing of games. That's NFL.com slash tickets. Welcome back. You might know her from the popular food blog Smitten Kitchen or from her cookbooks, but in her most recent New York Times op-ed, Deb Perlman shifts to another topic entirely to lay bare the truth about parenting during a pandemic. In the COVID-19 economy, you can have a kid or a job, you can't have both. She's here with us today to discuss the dilemma that working parents have found themselves in. Welcome to the show, Deb. Hi, thanks for having me on. So, Deb, in your article, you write, Why am I, a food blogger best known for such hits as the all-butter, really flaky pie dough and the I want chocolate cake cake, sounding the alarm on this? So, Deb, why are you? To be fair, what I was talking about was sounding the alarm on what's been happening to working parents since March. The issue of universal child care and the lack of accessible, affordable High-quality <laughs> um, childcare has long been an issue in this country. It did not start in March. In March, what happened was we took away all of the systems that were even tenuously holding us in place, and it fell apart. 
But what I had been reading in the time that I'd just been, you know, venting about this on tweets and in mom groups and to friends, I, I kept reading articles that were talking about how we're burned out and how fried parents are. And I hated that they took what I considered an emotional angle on what to me was policy. It's policies that aren't looking out for us. And I feel like whenever you take that emotional angle, people dismiss it like, yes, parenting is hard this year. So I really was waiting for somebody to talk about when you open a business or a place of work and you don't open schools, camps, or daycares, you're telling parents that it's okay for them to lose their livelihoods. And I, I didn't hear anybody putting it in those words. And so, yes, I took a break from writing about banana bread to <laughs> yell about this. It was very satisfying. <laughs> so what have the past few months been like for your family and how do you relate that back to the policies that you're talking about? The biggest thing with the last few months of my family is that we have not had an easy time, but I think that the hard time we're having is a fraction of what most working families are feeling or single parents. There are so many people in far worse positions than us, but I just kept feeling like if we find this impossible, what does this mean, you know, for people who it's for truly impossible? Um, for us, I am a food blogger and I work from home full time and I have for over a decade. So for me, technically, my going to work process didn't change. However, what I needed to do during the day was homeschool my kids. And I have two kids. I have a four-year-old and a 10-year-old. Um, and the 10-year-old's a little more independent, but they need a teacher. So we were doing that all day. Uh, my husband has a job job with the boss, so he couldn't miss any meetings or emails or anything. I mean, you can't be off for a minute or you look like you can't handle your job. It's an incredible amount of pressure. So I was handling it all day. A couple weeks later, he was furloughed. So it was like, hooray, we don't have to juggle anymore, but also you don't really have a job. Um, and then he was laid off. So he basically took over doing everything and I just continued working. Um, so just working an insane amount of hours and then, you know, we start finding out that the schools aren't going to open in the fall really officially now as of today. And um, you just, how are we going to do this? It's one thing to hold on for two or three months. It's another thing to talk about this being a year or more. We need a plan. So a lot of parents are used to having their kids at home during the summer, but a more difficult choice will come in the fall. Uh, like you mentioned, some schools are opening, others are staying shut. Uh, today, New York City Public Schools decided on a blended learning program where students will be in schools two to three days per week. So what conversations are parents like you having about whether or not to send their kids to school if and when they do open up in the fall? I think the conversations are much more like, oh my God, what are we going to do? How is this going to work? It's impossible. I mean, we can't, I mean, if you have kids at home and they need to be schooled and you also have to do a job at home, one of these things isn't going to be done well. So we're either announcing to parents that it no longer matters if your kids get an education or you can no longer earn a living because you're going to be doing a really lousy job at one or the other. So I feel like we should really lay out what's happening because this is what parents have been feeling. Like, am I supposed to choose my livelihood and like paying my bills and our mortgage or am I supposed to choose like whether my kid needs to take sixth grade this year? So this is what I'm hearing from parents, but I think what would be nice to see is what kind of protections we're going to put in for working parents. If we want working parents to be homeschool teachers this year, how are we going to protect their jobs and livelihoods? And yeah, especially that matters when you look at uh, the New York City schools decision. You're looking at two to three days where you're sending your kids off to school, where the risk of them you know, coming back with the coronavirus is uh, is heightened. And then during those other two to three days when they're, they're just at home, how are parents supposed to be taking that time off every week to be taking care of their kids from their job? I mean, it honestly feels like 
from a pandemic perspective, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. I, I mean, they'll inevitably be shuffled between different caregivers, scrounging around for whatever you can find or whatever you can make work in the days or weeks that you're not in school. Then they're going to reconvene in a classroom, infinitely increasing the number of potential virus-causing interactions. I don't think anything could make teachers less safe. I don't think anything could make kids less safe. And I don't think anything will make the families and the caretakers that they return to less safe. To me, this is really a bigger mess than even if it were safe to have one pod of students that stayed with each other and limited their external interactions. There's also a disproportionate effect on working mothers, right? How is that playing into this? I mean, usually what happens is that when there's a childcare squeeze, it's working mothers get pushed out. And we have this idea that like, oh, you just take a year off from work because, you know, <laughs> you weren't working for, you know, economic solvency, you were working for fun or like pin money, you know, very dated ideas. But what we find, I mean, study after study has shown that when women leave the workplace, they have a hard time getting back in. It's not just like, oh, I lost six months of income. It's like your career really never goes back on track. And this is definitely going to disproportionately affect working parents at, at working mother, as as does every time that there's a childcare crunch. But it's really just all come to a, a more of a head in the last few months. So, Deb, what do you think needs to be done right now to help both kids and working parents like you? How long do you have? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I think there's a few things that we can do. First of all, I definitely think we need to be lobbying our the people that we whose jobs it is to look out for us to look out for working parents. That we shouldn't be in an impossible bind. You shouldn't have this Sophie's choice of whether you're just not going to earn a living this year or whether you're not going to educate our kids. I think our kids deserve better, and work you know working parents deserve better. I think we're expecting like the DOEs and like the schools to magically fix this, and it's not a reasonable explanation expectation. In New York City, especially, the schools are underfunded, overfilled understaffed, this idea that they were going to magically create eight square feet per, per kid, this was never going to happen. It was an impossible task. And so this is what we've ended up with, where there's basically going to be no in-school school this fall. I think that we need to move our complaints up the ladder and ask policymakers to come up with better solutions. I mean, again, I live in New York City. The Javits Center has been empty for months. Hotel ballrooms are empty. There are so many places that are empty right now. If they can set up a tent hospital in Central Park. Is it possible to have school outside for a couple months? It's not, again, I'm, I write about banana bread for a living. None of these views might be, might be tenable, but if I can come up with three or four, maybe people who are, it's their actual job could come up with 10 or 20 and see a couple through. Deb, I got to say, honestly, before we let you go, we can't end this interview without asking something food related. So <laughs> of all the many, many recipes on your site. Is there one that's been a real go-to over the last few months of lockdown that you want to direct our listeners towards? I, I can't stop talking about banana bread. It's just such a, it was such a <laughs> funny thing in the early months that people were making so much banana bread. And I think it was just like this cozy, comforting thing. And I also think that we were all getting these like groceries delivered and it was like refrigerated boxes. And so the bananas would like arrive halfway to rotten. So you kind of had to make banana bread. It was a self-fulfilling cycle. So there's an ultimate banana bread on the site that is like very tall with like a crunchy top. Um, and I feel like it's the perfect recipe. It's one bowl. You don't have to think that hard about it. Um, it's really easy to make. And you can like just, you can literally mix it with a fork. Um, so yeah, let's, let's bring it back to banana bread. 
while we're dismantling systems of oppression, also banana bread. <laughs> Multitasking. That's what we're all about. I personally <laughs> love the crackling banana bread uh, recipe on your site. Thank you. <laughs> well, Deb, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Take care. It's time for Meanwhile on the Internet and Haze. This one truly, really broke me. Ready to feel absolutely ancient? More so than normal, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, sure. You know what? Let's do this. What do you got? (laughs) Okay, so you know how most people mind being on the phone, right? Like thumb to ear, pinky by your mouth, kind of like the Hawaiian hang loose shaka sign. Yeah, because it looks like a phone. Duh. Of course, everyone should do it like that. Exactly. A duh. A duh. (laughs) Okay, not anymore, my friend. TikTok user guess who underscore 718 tested it out on his kids. Pretend you're talking on the phone. What would be your hand gesture? Like this? Yes. What did his kids do instead? What did they do instead of the the phone sign? It's the phone sign. Hayes, Hayes, they hold their palm flat to the side of their head, a.k.a. their hand is mimicking the shape of an iPhone or an Android. No. Yes. No. It's just flat. It's just flat. Like they're taking a little nap with one hand. <laughs> no, I hate that. No, he, they have to be putting us on. They have, the kids cannot not understand. For one, we've been doing it in front of these children our entire lives. There's no way that they can't see like some, their parent with a universal phone sign next to their ear and not know what that has meant in the past. They can't give up on, you know what, this is what President Trump is speaking, speaking about, about our history and our culture and our oh, traditions. No. Hey, too far. No, but you know what? All of this makes sense. I love talking about just like the things that kids don't understand anymore. Like, okay, let me try this one out on you. They don't say rolling down the window because they do not roll down the window. Oh, that one's kind of fair because by the time like we were kids, it was really kind of like outdated to have the car okay, like handle is, window. But what do you but, yeah. what do you say? What do you say instead of roll uh, down the oh, window? Oh, ooh, that's a good what is the verb? <laughs> What, what do you say? What's the... <laughs> do you just say lower the window? Reduce oh, okay, the window? That's fair. That's, fair. That's, that's a simple thing. Lower the window feels like a fair compromise. But we, don't, but we don't know. We're just guessing. We don't know how the teens actually speak about this. So teens, if you're listening to us ramble on about the things we don't understand, please let us know what you refer to these things by and what confuses you about how the olds do the things. Open the Voice Memo app on your phone and ask your question or give us your answer and send it to news o'clock at buzzfeed.com. News o'clock, all one word, you know, if you still use email. That's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we talk to author Emily Tampkin about her new book, which traces how George Soros gained influence and became the preferred boogeyman of the right. And remember, we went through this whole day without talking about Kanye. You can too. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. Reviews aren't just good for our egos, they're good for helping more people find this show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Have you ever felt depressed about work, only to have your dad be like, why are you so down? So you told him you hate your job, and he said, well, you better talk yourself out of it. And then you thought, hmm, I love to talk. I could host a podcast. And then you went to Spreaker from iHeart and started a podcast and got good at it, then monetized it, then quit your boring job, then told your dad, thanks for the advice. And he was like, well, that's not what I meant, and I don't understand what a podcast is, but you seem happy, so that's great, kiddo. You ever do that? Well, you could. At Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Ask your dad. 
you actually don't. Hi, I'm Robert Sex Reese, host of the Dr. Sex Reese Show. And every episode, I listen to people talk about their sex and intimacy issues. And yes, I despise every minute of it. I yeah. mean, she, she made mistakes too. Right? That's I mean, true. She, she did she, kill everyone at her wedding. But hell is real. We're all trapped here. And there's nothing any of us can do about it. So join me, won't you? Listen to the Dr. Sex Reese Show every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. When's the last time you took a time out? I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play, and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're peeling back the layers around why society makes it so easy to guard men's time like it's diamonds and treat women's time like it's infinite, like sand. And so whether you're partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, this is a place for you, for people of all family structures. So take this time out with us to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim your time. Listen to Time Out, a Fair Play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.